This is Market Scale Creates, your hub for creative news and inspiration in the design, animation, and video production industries. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Market Scale Creates, a podcast highlighting the video professionals in the Market Scale Worldwide Video Network as we break down their work, creative styles, and the varying dynamics that influence the media industry. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Folks, thank you so much for listening along to another episode. Make sure that you're subscribing to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But for a full breakdown of previous episodes and other pieces of content from us, make sure you're going to marketscale.com industries. You'll find plenty of B2B podcasts, articles, and video content from just about every industry you can imagine. So today's episode of Market Scale Creates is following the realities of being a woman in media and videography, an industry that, though it has improved in gender equity in recent years, still finds a lack of women in positions of leadership at least. Some recent research from McKinsey showed only about 27% of C-suite positions in media and entertainment are held by women. So how different is it working in media today compared to let's say even just 10 years ago as a woman, and especially as a business owner and independent contractor. So to get some nuanced perspectives on this, we'll be chatting with Jesse Anderson Barons. She's the owner and a videographer and producer at Palmetto Coast Media and Palmetto Wedding Films. We'll also be chatting with Beverly Tan. She's the founder and a storyteller at Fire and Spunk Productions. And Jesse and Beverly are going to be chronicling their careers in the industry as business owners and as women and creatives, tracking the intersections of working in different markets and how all of this ties together with a neat bow. Jesse, Beverly, great to have you both on. How are y'all doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to getting to chat. I always love talking creative eyes and uh, intersecting it with some of the realities of operating within our various industries, right? So we're really going to try to intersect several different issues today and different talking points. So I'm really looking forward to sourcing your perspectives. Uh, To start, why don't y'all give our audience some context on what you think makes you a unique creative? So if you had to I, I don't know, give me an elevator pitch, right, on on some of the things that you bring with your creative eye, with your technical skills that are unique uh, and that set you apart as a professional in this industry, what would they be and why? We'll start with Jesse. Well, it really depends on um, the content um, and the genre um, that I'm working on. But, you know, take uh, documentary uh, reality TV series, for example. Um, I really try to study the subject um, beforehand and like actually really get to know the people that are on camera beforehand and what the content is. And so I'm kind of trying to showcase that through the camera instead of trying to recreate something or stage something and just really keep it as organic as possible. And that, that goes with like wedding films too, which is something that I do a lot of Um, I really try to keep things as organic as possible because I want those emotions to be real and I want it to show in the edit as well. Beverly, same question for you. What do you think sets you apart creatively, technically uh, in your approach in the industry? I think something that makes me unique as a filmmaker and storyteller is just the unique perspective that I can bring to the table. That's usually why I've hopped around as a screenwriter. I've been a cinematographer. I've actually really love gaffing sometimes and lately i've been a producer in development for reality tv i've been in 
narrative. I've done corporate. At the end of the day, all I really want to do is tell stories. And I come from a perspective where I'm, you know, a first generation American. So I'm a woman of color and I'm a lesbian. So it all just kind of brings in a lot of unheard voices all at the same time. And I'm super passionate about bringing those forward and seeing the next generation see people that look and feel like they do because growing up I never really saw anyone that looked like me on TV and I'm so glad the industry is changing these days to be more inclusive so uh, let's go ahead and track y'all's careers uh, a little bit more and try to uh, you know better understand uh, some of the ways that being a woman in the industry actually played out for you or impacted your careers. Uh, so let's start here. When did you both enter the industry? Give us, you know, a timeline more or less. And how did you feel you were received as a woman or just as you starting out in media? What was reception like when you first joined? And did you feel like there were any um, extra barriers for you to land jobs to start or for you to maybe even uh, find your creative eye to begin with? Uh, whoever wants to start first can jump in. So this is back before... Facebook. <laughs> so this is how <laughs> Love I, it. I started in uh, video production in 2004 um, in Raleigh. I was going to school. I went to North Carolina State um, and I had an internship um, and I majored in communication media, but I had an internship um, at Gorilla Productions in Raleigh where I kind of went into it pretty blind, not really having any hands-on experience and um, was fortunate enough to um, be taught by the owner, uh, Will Kazari, how to do just about everything from cold calling to editing and everything in between um, to start a project um, from start to finish. So it was pretty intimidating at first just because he was real quick to, you know, teaching me everything and just kind of threw me into the fire. But um, it was a really great experience because I got to see firsthand what I did and didn't like to do. Um, and it was kind of like boot camp in a way because it was really just me and him and occasionally a couple other crew members. Um, I didn't really feel like it was intimidating because I was, uh, you know, a young woman at the time. I was only 22. Um, it was more so intimidating just because I was fresh to the industry and felt like very uneducated at the time. Um, but I grew a lot from that experience. And um, in 2005, I moved to Charleston and uh, just kind of sent my resume out to whatever video production company I could find in an actual uh, phone book. <laughs> and then um, in 2006, in the spring of 2006, I applied for a job to be an editor for a nationally uh, televised TV show called Home Team through Lytton Entertainment. They're located in uh, Mount Pleasant, but they produce TV shows that are aired nationally and internationally. Um, I really didn't think I'd get the job because I didn't think that I was qualified. I didn't think I was a good enough editor, but I just did it for the hell of it. And I got the job. Um, it was a salary job. And I stayed there for, I ended up staying there for four and a half years. Um, I edited and then eventually edited and produced, um, I think about five different TV series for them um, and some other promos um, for some other nationally televised TV shows. And that was an amazing experience. I got to learn so much from my fellow editors and producers. Um, but then the recession hit and everybody 
around me got laid off. I was the last one standing. Um, and that forced me to wear even more hats, um, which was also intimidating, but it was, I was honored to be able to have that much responsibility and also to be, you know, a woman at the same time producing nationally televised TV shows and editing a 20 to 30 minute show per week, every week for 12 weeks in a row. And, uh, so it was, uh, it was intense. Um, but then eventually by 2010, I got laid off because they didn't have any other shows coming in. And I really was kind of sitting around waiting for something to do. Um, but that was a blessing in disguise because then I got hired by another production company um, called Hollywood SE Studios. And they wanted me out in the field, not just behind the desk doing editing and producing. So I was in charge of creating uh, a brand new show from scratch. They just had the name and that was it. It was going to be called Rescue Vet. So I had to go out and find three different veterinary clinics that wanted to be a part of the show, hire crew to go out and shoot it. Um, we, I directed it. We put together a pilot, a trailer. I worked with a distributor in New Jersey, pitched it. It got picked up um, by Animal Planet in 110 countries around the world and Nacho Mundo in the U.S. Um, so we did a 13-episode series there. Um, I did everything but shoot. I wrote the narration, worked with the composer to do the music, put in all the graphics and did all the editing, was on every single shoot. Um, it was a lot of work once again, but I realized after that that I wanted to take it to the next level and do my own TV series through my own company. So I created Palmetto Coast Media. I've always loved animals. I've always had such a passion for documenting. Um, I then talked with a local animal shelter here in Charleston and pitched a show to them and they were on board. So we, I then picked up the camera with some other crew members and we shot a pilot, pitched it and it got picked up. We did 13 episodes. It aired um, Animal Planet in 110 countries around the world, Nacho, Wild and Mundo in the US and on Hulu. And that was, I would say that was probably the peak of my career because it aired on Nat Geo Wild um, three years after we shot the pilot because it took a while to get there. We had to do a lot of work finessing <laughs> to get down the line of, you know, people to talk to, um, which is a whole job in itself, really. But um, eventually we got it in the right hands and it got picked up. So it was really cool to be able to see something that um, I was a part of from start to finish and watch it air on national TV. Um, and it was about, you know, a subject matter that I really care about. Um, I had, you know, an awesome crew that really like put up with me for, you know, three years of not knowing where the show was going to go. And um, it was really fun being able to work, you know, with the animal shelter and everybody that was involved. Um, after that, I continued to um, create some more TV series. Um, we went down to Florida and shot a pilot down there. We did a few more in Charleston. Um, but the networks were becoming increasingly harder to pitch to because this was around the time that Animal Planet and Nat Geo Wild and like History Channel, you know, were becoming more male dominated series. Um, and meanwhile, I was asked to co-produce and edit a documentary um, about a family that was dealing with a lot of health issues in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina. So I just jumped on that instead and was also getting um, some other local video production requests, um, nonprofit and corporate event 
highlight videos, sporting events, real estate, weddings. So I just kind of put my energy into that because I kind of just need the things to keep moving. But I am very much still involved in um, the corporate world, nonprofit events and whatnot. And I'm really hoping to have some downtime um, to be able to get back into working into TV um, because that is my passion. I really love doing docu-reality series about things that matter. Um, but at this point, you know, I've gained a lot of experience and I, I can't say that I've had any challenges as a woman. I don't, I feel like maybe I've just been lucky enough to surround myself by men that are supportive of women, but I've never felt like anybody's treated me different or hasn't taken me as seriously because I'm, I'm a woman. Maybe, I, maybe I'm naive and I haven't noticed it, but um, I feel very fortunate, at least in Charleston, to work with a lot of really cool guys and girls that just treat each other equally. Hi, right, Beverly. Let's hear your journey here. And same question for you. Uh, what are some ways that you feel like, um, you know, being a woman as well as your other identities uh, intersected with the beginning of your career as you decided to break into the media industry? Uh, and yeah, go ahead and just, you know, give us some of the highlights. I decided I was going to be a filmmaker when I was seven years old. <laughs> And when you're seven and you tell it to your parents, they're like, oh, that's great. When you're 17 and you tell it to your parents, my dad straight up asked me, he's like, so you're going to like be a bartender? And I'm like, no, dad, I'm going to be a filmmaker for real. I'm not going to be a starving artist, I swear. And, you know, now in my, you know, mid 20s, it's, I'm still, my parents still send me a text message every once in a while. I'm like, so do you have a job yet? And I'm like, I'm a contractor. I have work. And it's when there's not a pandemic going on. So I just kind of hopped around. I started interning, you know, as much as I could, you know, helping out where I could when I was like 14 on like any films that I could get on. And I went to film school for four years. And by I went to film school and I worked on a lot of content pieces and some narratives. Um, the summer before my senior year of college, I got really mad at my professors because they said I, they weren't sure if I was going to be a good producer and I wanted to prove them wrong. So I shot a short film by myself with the help of some of my friends. I pretty much called my friends and was like, hey, so I really need to um, prove something to myself <laughs> and to people who aren't sure that I'm a strong enough person to command a set because that was the thing. They were like, oh, how are you going to get people to listen to you? And I was like, watch, I can make this happen. So my ragtag team of buddies and he, you know, shot this film called The Last Line that ended up going on like a world tour, getting screened around the world like the next summer. So we got to spend the next summer touring. And that's what really kicked off my career, I think, because I was in D.C. screening my film at DCIFF, uh, DC's DC Independent Film Festival. And that is DC's oldest film festival. And I'm there and I'm talking to this guy in like a screen, like at the reception for like a master class. And this guy got, and I'm like, so what was your favorite film? And he's like, oh, I really love the writing of the last line. I'm like, oh, that was mine. I wrote that. <laughs> and he's like, that's the feeling I would really like in the script I'm trying to write. Can I hire you? And I was just like, um, absolutely. I graduate in like three months. <laughs> college I could start writing now so I ended up 
flying out to Colorado for so this guy's from Colorado. So I end up flying out to Colorado and I'm writing a script for this guy as my first like narrative feature contract. And it just kind of all snowballed from there. I've always been the person that just kind of takes life as it goes, you know? So I lived in Asheville for a bit, came back to, to Raleigh. I ended up on a whim. I moved to LA on a three day notice because a very large production company offered me like a four week contract. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to LA, you know, for, for four weeks. And I ended up staying for several months. And now I have a second apartment there after spending most of my career saying I'm never going to go to LA. I've done everything from historical recreation to narrative. And I found I really just love to find stories. I like looking for stuff, which is kind of how I really found the fit with reality TV and the development of reality TV, because all I do all day when I'm in California is I sit in an office and I go looking for stories. And it's just so much fun. So um, I think in terms of being a woman on set, I feel like a lot of the times I have to be extra perfect. Like I have to, it's really hard to make mistakes because it comes in a lot harder. You know, I can't carry like 20 sandbags. <laughs> and that makes it really hard to be a PA to like get your foot in the door. So I was really lucky to get into the production office, you know, and be like, yeah, I can shoot too. I can do everything. And yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of it on set. There have been, I've definitely missed out on jobs because I, I call people out when they're not behaving themselves. You know, I was on a set and there was a person on the crew that was not very kind to women. And I flat out said, look, this is your last day on set unless you clean up your act. And, you know, he did. But then the next, you know, I told the producers about the incident, reported it. And, you know, and the guy was hired on their next feature together. And they offered me to come back. And I was like, no, if you're gonna, if you're keeping that guy, then I'm not coming back for the next for the, for the sequel. I'm not doing it. You know, sometimes you just have to kind of stand up for yourself. And I'm really good about that on principle because I see a lot of people, especially women and minorities that think that they, that they need to take every chance they get, which, you know, take the shots that you get, unless you're being grossly underpaid for it. Because I've had, you know, women approach me and be like, oh yeah, we'd love to bring you on, you know, here, you know, they'll probably compensate you the same way that we're, that, you know, they're compensating me, which, and here's the deal. And I, and I just look at the offer and say, oh, you are so underpaid. Just because you have an untold story that you want to get out does not mean you should take less money for it. <laughs> if anything, they should pay you more. So I'm all, I've always been the person that's like, yeah, completely, brutally honest. Brutally honest. Just, I'm yep. just like, no, no, you gotta. And I think that's a really important part as a woman, as you have to be. You can't let people try to push you around. One thing that I battle with is I, I always kind of tell myself, like anything that I put out in the world will always come back to me, whether it's good or bad. So I feel like I have to kind of tread lightly in certain situations because as much as I want to like get how I feel off of my chest, I do have to remember that, you know, in, in the world, especially with social media, like everything that you put out there comes back to you. So um, you always want it to be constructive criticism. So yeah, I mean, it's really frustrating seeing other women struggle. And I, um, 
I guess I think what's made it easy for me is being the owner of my own company. So I call the shots and I hire who I want and to hire. I, you know, I get to pick and choose who I enjoy working with and who's talented. And if I, you know, if I hire someone guy or girl and they've got like a bad attitude or they just, they're disrespectful, then I just don't work with them again. Um, or if I got hired by another production company and, you know, I, I'm paired up with someone else that's basically treating me like I'm inferior to them um, because I'm a woman, then I will most likely go. I think it really does help me being um, being able to call my own shots, be able to pick and choose the gigs that I go on and who I, who I hire, who, I, who hires me, if that makes sense. What really helps is over time, I've met some just absolutely incredible people that are, you know, and that's the most up, uplifting thing. It's I've met people that are like me that treat people equally and treat people well. And through that, I found some people that I just really love working with. You know, I found, um, you know, there are specific uh, groups on Facebook of women in the industry just sharing work with each other. And that has just been such a supportive community that I'm just so thankful for. Let's get into uh, y'all's strategies for marketing yourselves as creatives. Um, How have you uh, gone about basically putting together your creative brand, right? And using that to then sell yourself as a talented creative eye. Um, Walk us through, you know, some of the maybe the the conscious steps you've took towards that as well as some of the uh, like subconscious steps you've taken towards that that you've now reflected on uh, looking back at your career uh, that you know have influenced your ability to market yourself as a professional in this industry um, okay I'll go first uh, well um, I think that you know back in the day it was kind of like what can you add to your resume and that was really the only way that you could get your name out there. Um, now I find that sadly, uh, <laughs> you know, places like Instagram and TikTok, where, you, you know, people are only paying attention to 15 second videos at a time is the best way to put yourself out there. So I mean, it's constantly changing. Um, I think in person and online presence are equally important. People are going to find you online, but then you have to show up and represent that side of yourself in person. You don't want to basically be pretending to be somebody that's bigger than who you really are in person. Um, I mean, obviously you want to advertise the best parts of yourself on social media and on your website. You don't want to like post crappy videos or any, you know, or anything like that if you're not proud of your work. Um, but you have to deliver on that in person. And then I think on top of just having like a really solid portfolio um, and continually being present on social media to keep people um, aware of, of what you're doing. I think just building relationships with people, not just clients, but other um, vendors and other colleagues, people in your field is really, really important just to like really have that one-on-one face time with them. As time goes on, as much of an importance to dedicate to promoting yourself online as you need to in person. You really can't do one or the other. You can't just hide behind your phone and post on Instagram all day and then show up and 
not be a hard worker, not be connecting with people, not be delivering quality products. You have to really be on top of your game and just doing it all. And, and the same in, in the other respect, you can't just stop posting stuff online and then just wait for people to find you. It's, it's a full-time job in itself to just advertise and to market yourself to get more jobs. I absolutely agree with that. Except I, me making content about myself is like pulling teeth. I hate it so much. You are a braver <laughs> woman than me because, oh, I hate, I hate doing my own social media. But I love yeah, participating. I, I don't usually put my, I don't put my face out there as much. I know a lot of other videographers will be really personal and like post a lot of stuff, like pictures of themselves or videos of themselves. I try to stay away from that. I really, I know that that's what people want to see, but um, I just want like the work that I make to be what people are actually paying attention to. Because also, I'm I'm not always going to be there to. Um, to shoot something, I might hire another videographer. So I don't want people to think that when they're hiring Palmetto Coast Media or Palmetto Wedding Films, they're hiring me. They're they're hiring me from the coordination and editing perspective, 100%. But I'm not always there to shoot, so um, I don't want it to look like like a robot business or anything like that. I, I do want it to be personal, but I I uh, I really want people to just pay attention to like the work and the art of it. And less about uh, my face. <laughs> it just shouldn't be about me, I don't think. So I, I struggle with that. I like to be behind the camera, not in front of it. Right. You, you'd, you'd like to let your work almost speak yeah, for itself, yeah, right? But, that, but that's a hard thing to get across to people because, uh, you know, if, if I were to post a picture of me holding a camera or, or not even my face holding a camera. So, all right, here's an example, just a real quick example. I've um, I just got on TikTok for Palmetto Wedding Films. I haven't done one yet for Palmetto Coast Media um, because I've heard that TikTok is you know actually a good way to get your business to grow. But I like do not put my face on there at all. So I've just been doing clips of wedding videos on there and watching the view count. You know, kind of bounce around in the hundreds, sometimes a few thousand. I put an eight second video up. Um, where my left hand was holding my camera, my right hand, I'm holding my phone, taking an eight second video of me filming uh, a photographer directing a bride and groom. And it was just eight seconds. There's nothing special going on. It has over 110,000 views right now. So wow. Congrats. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what, no, but that's what I'm dealing with. Like that's not even the wet, the footage that I shot. That's just me <laughs> holding posting an eight second behind the scenes video of really nothing happening, nothing special. And so that's what I'm struggling with right now is like, how do I get my actual videos out there to get people to watch them? They don't want to watch that. They want to watch eight second behind the scenes footage. Uh, so, you know, I mean, if that's what works to get people to, to connect with me, so be it. But, um, that's the frustrating thing that I'm dealing with with social media right now is the attention span is getting shorter and shorter. I'm just out of content because I, I'm working in development right now because, you know, that's the old, you know, people aren't really doing large scale productions. So I'm like, um, okay, all my Insta stories are literally just me with like various coffee cups going like, okay, time for work. Yeah. And I'm just like sitting around writing, you know, I've gotten into comic books. Late. I've started writing comics lately. <laughs> Like that's been like my thing. Hey, quarantine brings out some new creative energies. That's for sure. Uh, my 
one of my best friends is an animator, <laughs> so he's helping me with drawing stuff. And I'm just that's very cool. I like reading comics. Um, one of my favorite projects I ever worked on was actually a comic book artist talk show. So that was like all one of my all time favorites. You know, we shot 12 episodes in like four days of talk show interview with like a six camera setup and it was nuts. And I was, you know, the production manager for the whole thing. And I was like, I had a lot of pastries at night. For that. <laughs> like, I, yeah. So we were filming <laughs> in Charlotte and I made sure all the, and you know, we brought in a lot of the crew. So I got us all a, crew, a big, you know, an Airbnb house for the whole crew to live in while we were there. And it was down the street from my favorite bakery, Amelie's. So at like one in the morning, I'm way back from set. I'm just like, stopping anomalies and just having like my quiet time all right let's move over to uh, another topic here i want to uh, better understand the different markets that y'all work in because um you know i know you guys have some areas where you uh, specialize but uh, and we can see it with palmetto right you have two different companies for two different kinds of uh creative video production so i'd like to have y'all break down the markets you work in most often and how you see some of these dynamics we've been talking about here, which is, um, you know, your, uh, your different identities intersecting as a creative, uh, running an operation, uh, as a business owner and not just a videographer, uh, and, you know, being straightforward and honest and assertive as uh, an individual and as a professional in this industry. Talk about some of the ways that all those different dynamics manifest themselves in the different markets that you work in. And if you see any, uh, you know, different ways that plays out in corporate versus wedding versus docu film. Right. Go ahead and break that down for us. Um, Well, I I would say that it varies kind of depending on the client. So weddings are. I probably have the most fun filming because everybody is in a really good mood. Usually <laughs> um, it's always at a beautiful venue. I mean, it's, it's a party, you know, in their minds from start to finish. So you're just documenting all of that. And, um, and at the end of the day, the video that I deliver is like a gift. It's not a product that they're using to sell, you know, for their own business or anything like that. So they're just like, over the top, like they don't even know what they're going to expect half the time. And they, um, they usually are just 99% of the time, like crying <laughs> in a good way when they, when they see it. And they're just really easy going people to, to work with. Um, so I think just naturally, like weddings have become easier for me to do because the clients are easier to work with and I just enjoy it. And it's, you know, I'm, I get in the flow of things, more and more every time and come up with new ideas of how to um, create them every time. On the flip side with um, Palmetto Coast Media, um, that's all over the place because, you know, sometimes I'll do a video for a nonprofit and I usually do those at like about 50% of my normal rate. And it's usually a topic that I care about. Um, If I don't necessarily know a whole lot about it, I'll really try to understand it a little bit more. I'll work with the client to understand like what the goal is of the video and uh, what they do, how they got into it. So that's almost like mini documentary in a way. Um, Trying to really pull on people's heartstrings is like the goal because I want people to like watch these videos and cry and, you know, feel emotions and 
pull out their wallets and donate to these nonprofits and like help them grow so that they can help people or animals or, you know, whatever they're trying to do is whatever their goal is. Um, so I really enjoy doing those. Unfortunately, they don't pay the bills, so I can't rely on those. Um, so I do often um, try to also market some businesses as well. Uh, real estate videos and um, events, event highlights. There's a lot of events when there isn't a pandemic going on <laughs> in Charleston. So I do cover a lot of events. Those are really fun to do because it's it's just run and gun. And um, there's usually not a whole lot of planning that you need to do in advance because it's kind of just documenting the day as it goes on um, and then summarizing it so that that uh, event can promote itself. Whoever's coordinating the event, they can use that video to uh, promote it in the future. Um, I have a lot of like reoccurring clients that hire me to cover events year after year or certain months throughout the year. Um, and then that really becomes, that's a fun um, thing to, to be able to do because I know the client, I know what to expect. They don't have to tell me what they want. So it makes it easier for both of us. Um, and then the events get bigger and bigger each year because we're promoting them more, you know, every year. So um, the biggest thing for me is just diversifying my portfolio because I would probably lose my mind if I had to just do one genre all the time. I need to have that diversity. And I really like working with a variety of different people too. Um, and it just, it helps me grow as a videographer and a producer and business owner. Yeah. You know, good to retain your moral stances as you do your work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not, I mean, and I try to take um, politics out of the business, but there are certain things that I won't be silent on, you know, like, you just hey, have to politics kinda, is yeah, everywhere it's inescapable put, put your <laughs> you know your thoughts out there when the time is right um and and i also this is you know this is a different tangent but i also feel that like if i have a belief um like a moral belief and a client doesn't agree with me i don't want that client yep i've got a uh, strict i don't work with jerks rule for myself <laughs> And yes. To, to be honest, it's one of those things like there's someone that's going to be a better fit for them. And at some point it's like, yeah, it's a job. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'd get paid to do it. But at what cost? My soul? You wouldn't feel, yeah, you wouldn't feel good about it. You would not. Yeah, just exactly. Like, Got to factor in, uh, you know, the wine and the massage to de-stress from it all after I deal with someone that's a little crazy. So I don't, I don't really, I don't do crazy clients. And you know, I do a little bit of everything too. Like, you know, I agree, Jesse. I don't do political things that I don't agree with, and I try not to do that anything political, like at all, in general. And um, actually, the one thing I really hate doing is I, I hate doing weddings. Can't stand them. Drive they drive me <laughs> bonkers. Can't do it. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I do love narrative, so I've hopped around across all the genres, and I'm like. Sometimes I wish I focused more, but also not really. <laughs> you know, I started a narrative, went to corporate, and I'm really liking television right now. So that's been a thing. I've also dipped into like music videos lately, as in I've been storyboarding a lot of them. And um, I directed my first animation a couple months ago. So that was actually a really new, really cool experience. And I like new experiences. But um, yeah, so. It's really challenging because sometimes I work as Fire and Spunk Productions, you know, my company, but sometimes I just work as me. Because when you're, when people 
are calling me in, especially for like development casting, they want my personal contacts. They want, okay, who, who can you, who can you get us? Who can you call? What cities do you have contacts in? And at that point, it matters less about who my company is. And it's more about who I, as a producer is, you know, it's, you know, my sister's a wedding planner and I ended up actually casting wedding shows. Um, I cast a season of Bridezilla actually. <laughs> and they were like, Oh, you could, you've got a bunch of wedding contacts because your sister is, you know, a wedding planner. And I was like, yeah, They're like, great. You're perfect. <laughs> and I was like, great. I still get roped into the wedding thing every time. <laughs> <It's> inescapable. <laughs> inescapable. The inescapable right? life so of like, the videographer. Yeah, I don't think right. I've, I couldn't do a, I would never want to shoot a wedding. I, I did some in my early career. You know, I did like two weddings and then I said, I am done. <laughs> I hear that a lot. I, I have a hard time finding second shooters because um, it's a lot. a lot of videographers. Yeah, they or, you know, they'll edit, but they don't want to shoot or vice versa. But um, like, I got it's hard to back. avoid. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to avoid it in Charleston because it, I mean, it's I think the number two wedding destination in the country. So it's. It's kind of like why wouldn't you you know it's yep, lots of, yeah, I'm just a lot of really pretty venues here too so it's it's kind of like you just get to go somewhere pretty for the day and take out your camera that's how i look at it <laughs> nice i'm just like oof. like someone's got to someone's got to do it and someone that loves doing it should do it um my favorite is yeah i love the drama maybe that's why i love <laughs> i love the drama that's why i love tv that's why i love narrative you know i i really love like period dramas like historical crazy dramas but you know all the scandal and rumors jane austen stuff <laughs> all right y'all uh just a couple quick more points that i want to get some thoughts from y'all on before we wrap today uh i asked y'all about the different markets you work in if you had to summarize how versatility in the projects you take on and the markets that you serve has impacted your ability to grow as a media professional, as a business owner, and, to, and as a creative woman videographer in the industry. Uh, how would you categorize that? You know, how would you uh, frame the impact that this versatility in projects and markets has given you the ability to grow and thrive? I think versatility is everything. Filmmaking is the most collaborative art form there is. You know, you need so many moving parts and as a producer it's you know my primary role i think it's super important for me to know how every other role functions you know i think what makes me strong as a producer is that i've tried everything else and i know what i do like i know what i don't like but i understand the challenges of everyone else on my team to the best of my ability so it helps with communication in being able to communicate with needs and problem solving of, oh, you know, this person, we've got a problem in this department, but if we change something in a different department, that could, you know, fix everything. And, but I really like what jumping around to all the different parts of the industry is I see how different parts use stuff, how they have different titles, they have different names to everything. And the experience of knowing how, you know, oh, this is how, a reality TV show has this system and it's awesome. Why, why don't I bring it into this to like this corporate video and implement that? Because that's just genius and that can be adapted. And 
the adaptability is something that shows my resourcefulness and that I can do anything. I agree 100%. And I think um, it's like really important for anybody in the field to have had experience working in every bit of the field. So which brings me back to 2004, when I had that internship, and um, he taught me how to, you know, cold call and market, you know, online and go out and shoot, produce, direct, edit, you know, write scripts, work with voiceover. Um, and then it just, you know, took on a life of its own throughout the last 16 years from there. Um, I, for a while was just editing, but then realized, um, that at least in Charleston, you have to shoot and edit. Nobody will really just hire you just to edit. You really have to be a one man band to succeed, at least in this town. Um, and that was fine. I mean, I was happy to like diversify my experience and try out different things, um, I'm at the point now where uh, I do get a little too bogged down with work, and I really do wish that I could hire, you know, some help, especially with like editing. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm just so picky about how I want things done that I usually just end up doing everything by myself um, and working way too many hours doing it in the process. But I, I love that I've had the experience in every aspect of the field, so that like I can shoot for the edit. I can tell somebody how to shoot, you know, if I'm going to be editing it, um, you know, I can understand a script or, you know, a shot list and, and I can think about, you know, how I want to shoot that for the editor. Um, and, you know, I can put together like a budget knowing what somebody else is going to do. So I think it's really important if you want to be able to succeed in this field or find work to have um, that job title on your resume because somebody will most likely end up wanting you to do one of those jobs at some point in your career. And the more experience that you have in every aspect of video production, the better chances you will have of getting hired. And sometimes on set, you just get asked to, you know, there's a, you just need to go help out. And it's good to know, you know, like I've been a producer on, you know, field producer running an interview and, you know, there's, a, if it's like a second, set or something and now we're short of grip you know i i know what all the lingo is and if you know the gaffer's like okay we need to do this i can just be hands-on and go do it instead of you know waiting for someone to run halfway across the set to move a light and then last main point i have for y'all is uh in the years since you've been in the industry have you found any community or support from other women in the industry and is there a thriving community of independent women media professionals? Yes, no, and how has that impacted your career? It's changed my life. Um, you know, I met. It started when I met some just really awesome women on on a set for a indie feature, and they actually added me to some Facebook groups of you know women working in TV. And the amount of support there helps give me strength on you know the days where I'm just like, oh, there goes another guy that decided he wanted to hit on me instead of hire me and you know to just seeing job leads like some of my best projects that i've worked on have just come from someone like hey here's a job opportunity that i think you know you'd be great for it. and i'd be like yeah this is awesome this looks so much like it's so much fun and just the camaraderie is awesome and there are just so many groups to where 
there's an amount of safety that you also get when you know job postings are coming from like a group of women and you know you don't have to do as much work to be like okay is this gonna be like some like indie creeper trying to you know do something strange or you know is it a little bit better <laughs> because that happens sometimes with independent film you sometimes you just you have to do your due diligence and i recommend that for anyone but especially women like always look at who you're working with yeah i'll, I'll i mean i think i I don't really remember hardly any female videographers that I knew or worked with um, when I first started. I think I knew of like one other female videographer for like the first two or three years. I mean, I was also new to Charleston. Um, and again, this was like before Facebook. So there wasn't, you know, social networking. But um, in the recent years, uh, I've connected with more and more female videographers in Charleston. Um, and I actually run two different Facebook groups. Um, one is just Charleston videographers and one's Charleston wedding videographers. Um, but I've, you know, I've done, I've done that basically just to connect everybody, you know, guys and girls, but it's been a really great way for me to find other women in my field as well. And then we have meetups occasionally, uh, where we get to meet in person and it's allowed me to be able to find other people to hire or, you know, I'll, I'll work for them and, you know, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mean, just looking back, like I, I definitely feel like people thought it was a little odd that I was working in TV production when I first started, I was definitely out way outnumbered by guys and I still am. Um, but I'm seeing a lot more women, um, doing it more and more, which is cool. And I think that they are just as good, if not better than a lot of guys that I know. Um, and I think that we tend to pay a little bit more attention to detail in the storyline and connecting personally one-on-one, -on -one, um, and really getting to know the people that we work with, the clients a little bit better. Um, so I think sometimes like we can pull on heartstrings a little bit more, and, you know, I'm not trying to sound sexist or anything, but <laughs> I make people cry a lot. That's you know, I, I just feel like that's kind of a female trait that you know we have that works to our advantage when we're trying to we're unafraid you know, of our tears yeah like we're, we're good at you know making stuff emotional and um i mean guys are too definitely are but i also um will say that i have a psychiatrist for a father and a psychologist for a mother so maybe that's part of my upbringing i don't know <laughs> all right y'all i think that does it for our conversation today thank you again so much for giving us your time and your thoughts and tracking your work in the industry in different ways that uh, you've tried to expand yourself as a, uh, a creative visionary in your industry, as a woman in your industry, and as a business professional in your industry as well. So again, everyone, we've been chatting with Jesse Anderson Barons and Beverly Tan. Jesse is an owner, videographer, and producer at Palmetto Coast Media and Palmetto Wedding Films, and Beverly is the founder and a storyteller at Fire and Spunk Productions. Jesse, if uh, folks want to get in touch with you for any of your work or uh, collaborate with you on a project or just get in touch for any reason, uh, how can they find you online? Um, probably the quickest way is to visit either website. Um, you know, obviously, if you're looking for wedding work, uh, that would be palmettoweddingfilms.com. And then anything but weddings is going to be palmettocoastmedia.com. 
com. All the social media links for each of those companies are, are right there at the top left corner of both of those websites. So you can always connect with me there. Facebook, Instagram, Vimeo, YouTube, LinkedIn, the works. I'm, I'm on all of them. So feel free to reach out. And Beverly, same question for you. If people want to get in touch with Fire and Spunk Productions for collaboration or to hire you for a project, how can they get in touch? Oh my God, I'm going to sound like such a millennial, but Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> Instagram. Just um, hit me up on Snapchat, you know. Yep. <laughs> no, I actually don't use Snapchat. Um, Love it. And I'm terrible at TikTok, but uh, Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is Beverly Tan Film. I haven't posted anything interesting in the pandemic, but, you know, I'm there. Um, I'm redoing my website, but my website is fireandspunk.com. Uh, it's, it might be getting moved soon, so Instagram is much more reliable. And email, Fantastic. Beverly at fireandspunk.com. Perfect. And is that and with an ampersand or spelled out? Spelled out. All right. That's always an important distinction. All right. Jesse Anderson Barons, Beverly Tan, thank you both so much for joining us on this episode of Market Scale Creates. Really appreciate y'all's time. Thank you so much for having us. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah, thanks. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to listen to previous episodes or get some other market scale industry content, make sure you're going to our website at marketscale.com slash industries. Make sure you're subscribing to all of our different podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you're leaving a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.